Broadcasting to New York City, Los Angeles, Chicago, Sydney, London, and around the world, this is Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. We're online at kpcg.fm as well. Coming up today, lots of uh, headlines to look at on this weekend edition. A lot going on in the news. Some health issues that are going on as well. Also, uh, some information about uh, that uh, group coming up from Honduras into the U.S. Who's uh, funding them exactly? Got a good tip from a listener on that. Some good information there. That and plenty more to look at coming up on this weekend edition of Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for joining us here on Trumpet Radio Live on 101.3 KPCG. We're online there at kpcg.fm and at thetrumpet.com. There's a live link. I'm Dwight Falk in Grant Turgeon with me here today. The wind blew you in. <laughs> we, uh, of course, Oklahoma's windy. That's not a surprise, but the last few days have been uh, exceptionally windy. Gusts up around, I think, 50 miles an hour. And uh, I was trying to fall asleep last night, and I could hear the wind out there, and uh, gets to that point where it's it's ramping up and it just keeps going and going and and uh and I was just uh expecting to see a bunch of debris this morning but everything's still in place so nothing blew over at home it kept sounding like there were different critters crawling around on our front porch or some someone trying to get in the back door it just just a lot of things were creaking because of the wind last night so uh, a little bit we were a little bit uh, caught off guard occasionally from that. Yeah, it was really, really windy day. I don't know. Uh, I guess today was supposed to have some wind too. But I was telling you before we came on the air, there was a t-ball game last night at the park that my daughter plays in this t-ball league, and uh, <laughs> some of the kids were almost going to blow away. You know, <laughs> their hats were blowing everywhere, and it was it was a tough one to <laughs> be out there and watch. And I uh, was wondering how windy it would have to get for them to cancel on account of the wind. And uh, you thought. Like children would actually have to be blown off the ground, <laughs> right? That would be the <laughs> the time when they would cancel the games. Probably because it's unprecedented, really, to hear about anything being canceled just by wind. I mean, unless it's accompanied by a tornado or something. But if it's just wind, you'd need something pretty extreme to for someone to actually make the bold choice of canceling games like that. Yeah, it was warm too, so it kind of feels like a blow dryer. A blowtorch or something. Yeah. It's, uh, it's very, very uh, <laughs> hot and windy and dusty. So that's uh, that's Oklahoma for you. But uh, then this weekend's supposed to be down in the 50s for highs, so we're dropping quite a bit in temperature. And then Minnesota's supposed to have a blizzard, six inches of snow. So <laughs> It's April. <laughs> it's April. Yeah, it's going to be a weird summer because we've had, here anyway, we've had this real roller coaster of up and down temperatures. And so I don't know what that means for summer. It'll be 110, and next day it'll be 30. <laughs> probably too extreme but uh who knows we'll see well yeah about a week ago up in minnesota they canceled at least one of their uh professional baseball games just because of the cold so it was like in the 20s last week up in minnesota and apparently that's too cold to play baseball mm. there was nothing else there was no rain or snow but apparently just the cold alone was enough for them to cancel games up there yeah you know it's amazing talking about baseball uh, the baseball players professional players get huge amounts of money it's amazing how much they get paid and i always sort of wonder where the money comes from because 
uh, the attendance has really been pretty poor. There was a major league game just the other day, and I think they said about 800 people showed up. That wow. was about it. Maybe it's 900, but the the official number said 10,000, but they said really there's only about 900 people. And they had the pictures. And those are big stadiums. I don't know how many they hold, but it was hardly. I mean, it was vacant. But they were still playing their game. Do you remember where that was? Uh, I don't. I'll have to look that up again. I know, but there was another headline today about the Marlins and their minor league team had a bigger attendance than the majors. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's a couple spots like uh, Tampa Bay and Miami. Uh, I guess down there they have so many different sports teams and so many other attractions in those cities that they don't usually get the best attendance there for whatever reason. But that's not the case in a place like L.A. where they have tons of teams and they usually seem to get a lot of attendance. So maybe maybe it's just because uh, in Tampa Bay and Miami those teams are not always, uh, at least recently they haven't been doing the best. But even even in some of their really good years, uh, like winning the World Series or going deep in the playoffs, they didn't have the best attendance. So it's hard to figure that out. Yeah. So uh, I always look at those like low turnouts, and you think, well, how are they getting paid so much money? Yeah, and a lot of the time, baseball sacrifices attendance because they do a lot of games during the daytime. Like because they play six or seven times a week, usually uh, they'll have early early day games on the day that they're supposed to travel back out of town. So that happens quite a lot, and the stands are pretty much empty in, in every one of those games almost, too, because most people can't just take off work once a week to go to a game like that. Yeah. Yeah, I was trying to find out what team that was here, but, uh, yeah, they I couldn't find it. But a lot of they're, the write-up I found here says a lot of the teams have just had low attendance. But like you said, sometimes they're day games. It might be cold, and, well, who knows. <laughs> and even even for some teams, though, low attendance means like 20,000 mm-hmm. because it's usually like a 40,000-plus seat stadium. And if you so if you did the math on, like, how much – people 20,000 fans are paying for a game and the fact that they play 162 games a year and a lot of them are buying concessions and memorabilia it does add up even if they don't max out their their uh, stadiums I guess so even then it, it makes a little bit of sense why they would still get paid some good money tv rights too. that's a big one yeah they yeah. sell a lot of a lot of stuff uh here's a uh, some headlines to look at today including some uh, health news to start this is from cbs news the uh, CDC investigating E. coli outbreak now in seven states. This breaks out every once in a while. Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is investigating an outbreak of a particularly nasty strain of E. coli that's uh, sickened people in seven states. The illness from uh, the toxin producing E. coli, and they give you all the <laughs> technical details of it. Anyway, E. coli, we know what it is. It's landed six people in the hospital. Uh, 17 people have been affected in Washington, Idaho. Missouri, Ohio, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, and Connecticut. Health officials have not yet been able to identify the source of the outbreak. Uh, you get, They say you can get it three days after eating contaminated food or coming into contact with it, and uh, you get uh, dysentery and stomach problems and all the things nobody wants. And in some cases it can be very, you know, some cases it clears up, other cases it can be deadly, so you have to be really careful with it. Uh, the recommendations to avoid it are wash your hands after using the restroom. Good idea. Cook meals thoroughly, which is always a good idea. Don't cross-contaminate food preparation areas. Uh, wash fruits and fruits and vegetables before eating because you can get E. coli from that too. Uh, uh, then they have a few other things that they talk about. Um, so common sense stuff, I guess. Just be careful. And if you're in those states, you might want to watch out for that. And uh, 
of course, it, sometimes that spreads pretty rapidly, and uh, I don't think I've ever had anything like that. I've had food poisoning. I don't think it was that, but I don't know how you would know unless you went and got tested, but uh, not fun. Exactly. A lot, a lot of those preventative measures just sound like things that we learned when we were kids, and you have to wonder how many times diseases come up just from not doing the basic things that we that we are taught at a young age. Like, I, you do see a lot of people who just decide not to wash their hands in the restroom. It's like it's like like a barnyard sometimes in a public restroom. It's disgusting what goes on uh, in some of those places. And the same thing if you've ever worked at a at a restaurant. Sometimes you have to be the one who takes the hygienic measures because people around you just aren't doing it. And so uh, obviously you could get paranoid about those types of things, but if we're just at least doing it ourselves, hopefully there's a way to prevent most of that. Yeah, I don't like those investigative videos where they show like what goes on at a restaurant <laughs> or a hotel or something uh, because uh, it's, just, it's too much to worry about. You become a germaphobe <laughs> because there's so many possible problems but uh anyway if you do your part and keep uh good hygiene typically you know hopefully be okay this is a writer from the telegraph here uh there's been a uh, more of a focus on people sitting too much and uh, that can cause some uh, health problems well they think there's even more health problems uh sitting at desk all day may damage brain and raise dementia risk according to a new study still sort of in the early stages of it but they say if you're sitting at a desk all day or spending hours watching television, four hours per day in the U.S., oh. they say uh, that may damage the brain in a way which is known to increase the risk of dementia, uh, according to a new study. While researchers have known for some time that sedentary behavior is bad for physical health, raising the risk of heart disease, diabetes, and early death, it is the first study to show it could also influence mental well-being. They found that people who reported more sitting had thinner brain structures. Do you feel like you have a thin brain structure? I do. No wonder. <laughs> this is the cause. <laughs> yeah, so the problem that we have is we're, the only place we're thin is in our brains. <laughs> it says, although researchers say they cannot uh, say for sure that the sedentary behavior is responsible for the thinning, they are now launching long-term studies to find out if the link is causal. Thinning of the medial temporal lobe can be an early sign of cognitive decline and dementia in middle-aged and older adults. The researchers say that getting up and moving about could be a good way to prevent dementia of Alzheimer's disease. Around 850,000 people are currently living with dementia in uh, Britain. So uh, that was uh, published in Journal Plus One. You know, uh, again, it kind of gets back to like the same sort of uh, thinking there with the preventative measures for E. coli or something. Just uh, get up a little bit. Don't. They're not saying, I mean... Sometimes people think you can never sit down. <laughs> you can. <laughs> Standing forever is bad, too. But um, just sort of common sense stuff, get up, move around a little bit. Yeah, it does take uh, maybe a little bit of presence of mind to think of doing that sometimes when you get absorbed in whatever you're doing. But it is really important just to have uh, certain activities built into your, your life. I mean, it, it is hard having... A desk job and then if you have a family too uh, you, you maybe you have to incorporate active uh, activities into your schedule with the family so that you're not leaving them all the time to go get your exercise there are some ways like that where it might help uh, but it is this is one of the scariest reports I've heard about uh, sitting a lot because obviously we know what it does to your your body and what it does to your emotions sometimes but to hear that it literally could uh, damage your brain is is pretty alarming too. 
Yeah, it's interesting because if you work at a, a desk job all day and, you, and then when you head home, most cases you haven't had the physical exercise you need. Mm-hmm. But you're tired and worn out from the the thinking and, and what you've been doing. So it is it is sometimes hard to get out and get exercise because you're actually kind of tired from sitting there. There's, uh, of course, there's a lot of reports about football and the injuries sustained there and the brain damage that can occur. And uh, Packer legend Brett Favre now is kind of talking about that. He's, I think he's about f- mid-40s somewhere, and he, um, he said that he, in his career, he thinks he had like three or four official uh, concussions. Now, if you watch him play, you know he had a lot more than that. But, And as he says, they used to call it getting dinged to where you kind of saw stars and you heard ringing in your ears and that type of thing. And he said if that if that is a concussion, which they, they kind of think it may be, he's had thousands of them. Oh, And so he he's, you know, I, I don't know. From what I've heard, I think he's he's kind of taking the a little more balanced approach where he's like, hey, look, I, I made a lot of money. It was really good. I loved it in a lot of ways. I don't like this effect of it. <laughs> um and so they're trying. Everyone's trying to find a way to solve the problem, but they still want to play football. So it's kind of a tough thing. But he's getting worried about the long-term effects of uh, potential brain damage. Yeah, Warren Sapp. Uh, he's he used to play for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, maybe maybe another team or two. But he he also said that when he dies, he's just going to donate his brain for research because he says he forgets little tasks that he's trying to do throughout the day, or he'll start going somewhere and forget where he was going and then maybe end up somewhere totally different uh there are like gaps in his abilities his cognitive abilities that he believes are from just a lot of blunt force trauma in football Uh, there was a couple years ago i was at a one of the parks and they had a whole football league going on for the younger kids and i hadn't really ever seen the younger kids play football before in in a tackle like official league and i watched a few minutes of it i was surprised how hard they hit each other and uh and so Brett Favre was saying that, you know, the the research, I guess, shows that particularly at that age, you're very susceptible to problems, um, maybe even more so than as an adult. But uh, so it is it is one of those sports where it's popular, but yet people the more people learn about the damage it's doing, less people wanting to play it. And so you just wonder if those types of things can survive unless they figure out some way to prevent it or treat it but i don't know i mean you bang your body into somebody else's over and over again it's you're going to have some type of uh, injury and that's what's happening like you said they're hitting each other hard even though there have been a lot of efforts for uh just there's been different programs to help kids learn how to tackle in a different way it's more like you'll make contact with someone and then like drag them to the ground instead of launching yourself like a missile toward them uh it doesn't really have as much of an impact as those programs would like though because what's glamorized in all the highlight reels it's like a big hit that's what that is what a lot of those kids especially are going to aspire to do when they're playing they're trying to emulate uh the things that get the most attention from the pros yeah and too because of the the size of the athletes in some cases the only way a defensive back has a chance or a cornerback has a chance against a big fullback or something is they gotta just try to launch themselves because of the weight difference so (laughs) at the knees a lot of the time too so there's a lot of damage that comes from that i mean it is a really dangerous sport and it's important that people know what they're getting into if they're going to do something like that yeah so it's it's like a lot of things in life you know the 
the thrill of it at the moment is pretty exciting, but then the long-term results, everyone, you know, wishes they hadn't done it. Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of things. Here's a technology note from the Daily Mail. More and more people are, um, you know, we're thinking about uh, uh, companies collecting information on us and knowing what we're up to and so forth. Well, they say that uh, spy cameras could soon know what we're thinking and feeling simply by scanning our bodies, and there may be no way to opt out. Now, I don't know that they would know exactly, but, you know, basically they they can monitor a few uh, changes in your body and get a good, good idea. Are you nervous? Are you excited? You know, whatever. Angry. The data they say we share with companies online has become a hot-button issue, but new technologies could soon be scanning us as we go about our day. And really, that already happens, as they point out in here, with, uh, you know, like a Fitbit or something. It's scanning you all the time. It tells you what you're doing and so forth. Um, as they say, that's a claim made by a neuroscientist who believes that devices in the real world will start gathering unprecedented levels of information about us. Our bodies give off various signals that can be scanned and analyzed by advanced computer systems, revealing everything from our current mood to our overall health. In a similar way to wearable gadgets already available, future devices could be set up throughout public spaces to harvest this valuable biodata. I don't want anyone harvesting my biodata, I don't think. <laughs> There's been a lot of different uh, technologies that are trying to do things like this. Like uh, if you're wearing a certain type of uh, technological glasses, you can you can see icons above people's heads depending on, I guess, what you're looking for. It, it'll maybe identify the people you're looking at in a certain way there have been a lot of ideas like that that are a bit unsettling just to know that people can be scanning you without your permission or different technologies can be doing the same thing Uh, and again people who make this technology might not realize what could come of it how it could be used in a very evil way yeah that's the thing what are they going to do with it uh it's kind of funny too because you know we uh can observe somebody and have a pretty good idea of what they think already. I mean, at some level, you can tell someone's really mad. I mean, if they're <laughs> they're acting in a mad way or depressed or whatever. It says, um, the claims were made during a presentation given by uh, Adobe Labs chief scientist, Poppy Crumb. Doesn't sound like a real name, but it is, I guess. <laughs> Poppy Crumb, who has spent the past few years studying people's reactions as they watch films. And they uh, presented this at a TED 2018 conference in Vancouver. So kind of interesting. You know, they they have people watch films, and, of course, the films uh, evoke certain emotions. And then they try to monitor people's, you know, I guess, uh, data, their bio data, and um, kind of figure out how to how to read all of that. And so they want to put the, I don't, You know, I was trying to think of where they would put this and why. Um I, I guess they'd probably pawn it off like customer service. Like, we want to know if you're happy with the service. We can tell. But but uh, you, you, I don't know what you would do with it in a negative way. I suppose if you want to look at it politically, you know, you could – people could – you could they could play a speech and kind of, you know, well, I wonder what these people think. Let's harvest their bio data if they agree with this or not. Well, that's exactly – I keep saying it, but it's right out of that book 1984 again. That's exactly what the technology was set up to do. And so that's that's really where it could get ugly if they're trying to judge your physiochemical reactions, things that you can't really control, like your initial visceral reaction to a speech or an idea that's presented or whatever it might be. Uh, and then you could somehow get in trouble for that if 
your body doesn't react the right way. That is a bit extreme, uh, but it's straight out of the book 1984, which was projecting what life would be like if we turned over too much power to a central government. Yeah, I suppose there's no way to really fake that bio data. Exactly. You, you <laughs> couldn't fake anything. You couldn't put on a nice face and then just think you're minding your own business and then be fine. If you don't agree with it in your heart and soul, then you're in trouble. Yeah, it's like um, if, you, if you've if uh, you ever gotten your blood pressure tested um, and uh, if you're worried about it, like you can never get a good reading. <laughs> because you're always as much as you try to calm down you can't right <laughs> <laughs> and so i can imagine it'd be similar you know if this was happening where it's like all right i'm gonna be happy i'm gonna be happy but the more you think about it the more nervous you get and then they why are you so nervous <laughs> <laughs> so anyway there there's no end to what they want to do with the technology but none of it seems like it's going in a good direction it all seems like it's it's for uh, evil intent at, at its heart. Yeah, because there might be some benefits to these types of technologies, but do they really offset the potential evils that could come from it? I mean, it, it might be nice to gather biodata to maybe, for different companies, maybe to market a certain health service to you, or they might think that's a good thing. Uh, but is that really worth turning over that much control over your life to some other group of people that you don't even know? Yeah, that's... a. Uh pretty uh, invasive here's a story that uh was sent in by a listener from uh, australia they have a problem over there too with people being distracted when they're driving with uh, cell phones and they, they're going to do something about it distraction is one of the leading causes of fatal road crashes in australia but new high-tech cameras that detect drivers using their mobile phones without them even knowing could soon change everything <laughs> so again here we go it's like uh, a situation where, well, it would be good to get people to stop getting on their phones, but what else are you going to do with those cameras? So it's two-edged sword here. A New South Wales police spokesman said uh, news.com.au told them that officers currently use a variety of methods to detect drivers using their phones while driving. They should just call them. <laughs> <laughs> if you answer, you get a ticket. Uh, it says line of sight by trained officers is the primary method of detection. However, Long-range cameras have been used with success, and helmet cameras and motorcycle police continue to be used. Line of sight by trained officers. Like, how, what kind of a training is that? I can tell when somebody's on the phone. <laughs> I know. Do you need, like, a big training session to determine that? It's like they're they're staking out an area and making sure they clear the perimeter. Yeah. It's re sounds really official. Is that guy on his phone, or is he just <laughs> eating raisins out of a box? <laughs> Um, <laughs> either one's probably not the greatest idea. Yeah. Those are both kind of hard to do while driving. Yeah, either one's good. Which reminds me, the other week I saw something very uh, impressive and dangerous. Uh, somebody pulled into a parking space next to me, and it was kind of a tight turn. And they did it while their head, their mouth was, uh, or their head was cocked back, and the mouth was open, and they were ingesting peanuts. What? Like out of a bag. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. I was like, wow. That doesn't seem smart. Especially not making a tight turn. Like no. That. Yeah, that's not a good time. <laughs> Zipped right in there, just munching on peanuts. Uh, <laughs> but here in Australia, they, the police uh, highway patrol boss said that uh, the way we are going to defeat this, people being on their cell phones while driving, is by video evidence, by photographic evidence, uh, and we are looking at everything possible around the world at the moment. And we think we'll get something in place fairly quickly. His comments came after uh, the NSW Minister for Roads, Melinda Pavey. That's a great name for being a Rhodes <laughs> Pavey. Put out a call. It can't be a real name. 
put out a call on Tuesday for potential providers to present practical technology-based solutions to address the problem of mobile phone use in cars. Developing this technology would be a world first and is one of the priorities of our road safety plan 2021. So they want to have all these cameras that are going to keep an eye on you and what you're doing in your car. It might be good in some ways to get people to stop using their phones, but then again, um, that information could be uh, pretty invasive and something I... You know, I wouldn't want people having recordings of me going everywhere. Yeah, and it's a key question. Like, is all this technology actually making the world a better place? Are we really better off now with all these advancements than we were 100 or 200 years ago? And obviously, in a lot of ways, we are. Um, industrialization helped a lot with being able to actually use the Earth's resources in an effective way. But as far as, like, the the digital type of technology... We have seen a lot of alarming evil evils come from that, and it's just because people can so easily exploit it. You can you can pretty much track everywhere someone goes now, and everything that they're doing online, everything that they're doing uh, with their bank accounts and things like that. And is that really what you want to have happening to you? Do we do we all really want to be tracked in that kind of a way? Maybe. Maybe if we had stopped uh, some of this development to maybe where it was at the point like 50 or 60 years ago, we would be better off. Yeah, they never want to stop. It's always uh, got to develop the next thing, and then the new technology comes along, and then you need then there's a problem, and then you try to fix the problem with another technology, and it just keeps going. Well, think about like even internet, video games. Maybe you could say the internet has some good uses, but it's hard to find too many for video games for example and obviously those types of technologies are getting so much more advanced that um, maybe there can be quite a few more bad things and bad habits that can be developed because of technology like that. It's interesting the um, numbers here in the United States as far as texting and driving it's just general cell phone statistics so that the National Safety Council reports that cell phone use while driving leads to 1.6 million crashes each year. Nearly 330,000 injuries occur each year from accidents caused by texting while driving. One out of every four car accidents in the United States is caused by texting and driving. That's amazing. You could 25% of accidents could be eliminated if people stop texting and driving. I know on the way to work today, I think I passed, I don't know, three or four cars and the at least one of them was texting or doing something with their phone. I don't know what they were doing, but uh, yeah, I don't have for those listening. They're like, really? That's it? Yeah, I don't have a long commute. <laughs> right, it's a blessing. But but still, uh, you do see this wherever, every, pretty much anywhere you go. Uh, they have a map here showing the state penalties for texting while driving in Oklahoma. It's uh, two hundred and fifty dollars if you get caught. Hmm. It's a fair price to pay. Yeah. Um, Minnesota, it's only fifty. Wisconsin, it's four hundred. Wow. Um, Oregon looks like it's about 500 as well. There's a few states that don't have any any uh, fine for it, but uh, most have a fine ranging from 50 all the way up to uh, about 500. So don't want to get caught. That would be uh, quite expensive if you got caught doing that mm-hmm. in, uh, in some of the states in particular. Texas is uh, looks like about 200. So I don't know how they determine it, but maybe based on statistics of crashes or something. I'm not sure. Yeah, that would be uh, tough to figure. Um, I know I know. definitely it seems like there are some uses to a phone that 
may be beneficial while you're driving, but even just the way you use it could be harmful. Like if you're using the GPS or the map service on your phone, that could be helpful to help you actually get somewhere. But at the same time, I've seen a lot of people just have those on their laps. Mm. And so whenever they're driving, they're they're looking straight down into their lap every few seconds to see where they should go next. And that's incredibly dangerous. It, it should be up around the dashboard, if anything, so that you're not having to look away from the road so often. Yeah. I was just looking here closer at this map. I, my eyes were deceiving me. But it's not. If this map is correct, and I'll take it take it from uh, <laughs> the source uh, that I got it from, but they say in Alaska it's a $10,000 fine. Really? Yeah, I had to look, I had to look <laughs> twice at it. I'm like, that can't be $10,000 in Alaska. They're really cracking down. Yeah, I bet. Wow, that's amazing. Um, and then there's some odd ones, um, just as far as the dollar amount. Uh, California, it's a $162 fine. Pretty specific. Why? Why 162? And then up in Washington State, it's 124 dollars. Why not 125? Let's just all make it. You know, <laughs> I don't. I don't understand why they have the odd number or the the unusual numbers. Maybe there's a list of like many thousands of different offenses, and they rank them all, so they're all different prices now. Yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. New Mexico is 750 dollars. Wow. Wow. We some of these are really more expensive than I would have thought, but uh, so. And and then of course there's a few that don't have much of anything. Florida's only thirty, so mm-hmm. maybe maybe because there's older people down there and they don't use their phones too much. <laughs> I'm not sure what the thinking there is. It's pretty easy to see both both ends of that. Why they would want to make it cheap or really expensive? Cheap because it's obviously not one of the most major crimes you could commit, but really expensive because the potential is there to actually cause a loss of life. So either either way you look at it. Uh, whatever price is decided there would make some sense. Yeah, I know years ago uh, in in Wisconsin, the drunk driving was a major issue, mm. probably in a lot of states, and they really, really cracked down on it to where I forget what the penalty is, but you lose your license, uh, I think, for the rest of your life, uh, depending on what happens. And so um, sort of a similar situation, I think, to where, you know, you know, maybe a lot of times a person could do it and it wouldn't cause a problem, but then there's times where there is the fatalities and uh same sort of thing with the texting and driving. I mean, they're not impaired in the same way, but at the same time you take your eyes off the road uh, and you're, and you're traveling, you know, we talked about it before, you know, you just glance down at your phone. If you're going 50, 60 miles an hour, you've probably covered a length of a football field. Exactly. Yeah. That's why it's so dangerous. We don't tend to realize how far we travel while we're not paying attention uh, when we're looking at a device or even if we're looking out the side windows at, whatever attraction we're driving past it's easy to to get your attention taken off of something and and cause at least a minor wreck if if nothing else sometimes and obviously the potential is there for something much worse and that's why uh, sometimes it seems like maybe different states would be justified in having a really high fine well i was thinking about alaska and i i I haven't looked into why that fine is so high of course but um, I was just thinking that uh, there's probably a lot of semis, you know, a lot of big, big trucks up there doing things, and um, maybe the roads just are a little rougher too. I, I don't know, but anyway, they're they're not messing around. So. Yeah, and obviously too, it is a source of income or revenue for, I guess maybe the state or the local area. And if there's not a whole lot of people driving up there, then maybe per person they would have to make the fine higher. Yeah, <laughs> maybe there's nobody worth texting up in Alaska. <laughs> they're like, what are you doing? <laughs> Here's a really, really interesting uh, uh, topic here. This is a uh, couple of stories, same same uh, topic. Uh, 
It's from uh, CNN.com. From uh, it's an author, uh, and he wrote a piece at the Federalist, and they got he was on CNN talking about it. And uh, the the write up is it's time for the United States to divorce before things get dangerous. I saw that. Yeah. yeah. So uh, he's a writer, Jesse Kelly, claims the U.S. needs territorial division, insisting the nation has nothing in common. So he was on CNN talking about it, and of course they had him and then another, I guess he's more of a conservative, and then they had a liberal on there, and they were they were divided. So it was kind of uh, interesting because here he's talking about the division, and the interview about the piece talking about division was a very divisive conversation. So, yes, he proved his <laughs> point by, by uh, getting into it there, but... He says, uh, it's time for the United States to divorce before things get dangerous. This idea of breaking up the country may seem a bit outlandish now, he says, but you won't think so once real domestic unrest comes to your town. So he talked about, of course, like that shooting of uh, Scalise, I think that was, and and then Rand Paul getting attacked in his yard and and a few other things and some of the rhetoric that's out there right now. And he's just saying that uh, from his perspective anyway, if something doesn't change quickly, and, and he thinks it should be uh, dividing into two countries, uh, we're going to have some real problems in this nation. And you can see his reasoning there, but the other part of that is that a lot of people are going to think it's valuable enough to keep the country together, and they'd be willing to fight for that to happen because America obviously is the greatest nation in the world, and they have been for basically their entire existence uh, and, and a lot of people aren't going to want to accept it breaking up Abraham Lincoln didn't want to accept breaking up the nation because he knew that we could not be a blessing to the world uh, if if we broke up so there is there is uh, obviously something to consider there uh, but it's an interesting article an interesting piece that he had um, just just thinking about splitting up the country uh, there really isn't too much left for Americans to have in common. A lot of us uh, believe that respecting the flag and the anthem is an important thing, and a lot of others think that that is not. And that really is the last thing that should bind all Americans. If you consider yourself an American first, that's really the fundamental description of a country. If everyone there believes that they are first and foremost citizens of that country and they have a responsibility for the common good of the country, there are too many now who don't think that, and maybe they could devise their own type of flag and anthem that they are more proud of, and maybe they could come up with some different principles that aren't founded in the Bible, and they could be more proud of that. Uh, so that that could be why he is suggesting dividing the country like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's a very divisive time, and you know, people that are really paying attention to this, I think, are realizing that it is the maybe the most divided time of course then you always think about the civil war and he talks about that a little bit and in in his perspective he says well with the civil war you know you had a the main issue being slavery really dividing the states but he says now there's so many issues that divide people it's not just one thing he he says and again it's his take on the history but that you know if you if you looked at the north and the south the civil war they had a major difference over slavery but they probably agreed on quite a few other things. Uh, and he says today you can't find agreement on anything. And, uh, and and he says that he's been championing this idea for a while to split it up, and it appears others are, are catching on to what he said. Just last week a group of lawmakers, listen to this, 
Last week, a group of lawmakers in South Carolina introduced a bill that would allow the state to secede if the federal government starts seizing guns. So they're they're like, that's it. If you start coming for guns, we're out. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's at least a proposed idea. Uh, so those ideas are out there, and, and like he points out, it's not just from the radical at the the rally yelling. You know, these are lawmakers that are talking about these types of things, and that's why it's more serious today than it's been in the past. Well, America has changed radically from its founding, where it was supposed to be one nation under God. It was supposed to be a religious and moral country. And so even, like you said, in the Civil War, you might have had the division over slavery, but people in the North and the South alike agreed on what the traditional family uh, should be comprised of. They agreed on what the, the different basic the basic tenets of morality were um, a lot of a lot of these different issues you know even just the idea that you could have a gun people everyone agreed on that basically they all thought the government should be very small and should basically stay out of the way except in the case of national security uh, but now it's like you have a party that's so far 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 left and then basically one that is pretty well in the central and real in the center and really uh even the conservatives are to the left uh, when it comes to a lot of the moral issues as well but there's such a gigantic divide between the two parties that you have the issue of abortion you have the issue of illegal immigration you have you have guns you have big government versus small government you have welfare versus no welfare uh the issues go on and on and on and they're so huge that it is erupting into violence and people literally either think that America is a force for good in the world or they're the cause of all all the world's problems. You can't have millions of people believing one thing and millions of people being ashamed of their own nation on the other side and expect that the nation can coexist for much longer. Right, and it's uh, it's also just a spirit of division. I mean, I think if you took somebody that was on the radical left and we'll call them the center conservative <laughs> Uh, and you threw almost any topic out there, I think they disagree. Like, they just, there, there would be no agreement. And uh, this author says the GOP has many problems, but the Democratic Party has turned into something completely un-American. The United States was founded on two things, uh, Judeo-Christian values and a limited federal government. The entire platform of modern Democrats stands completely opposite both of those. Mm -hmm. He says, this is the party that booed the very mention of the word God at their 2016 convention. This is the party whose candidates openly joke about killing anyone who won't turn in his weapons. Their senators joke on national TV about killing the U.S. president, and the host responds by clapping like a seal. It's true. Those things have all happened. Exactly. And that just reveals right there which side is trying to depart from uh, the great foundation that America was built on. Uh, so, so yeah, the people who are criticized today are the conservatives. Those are the ones who are usually blasted for, I guess, not wanting to change everything about the country overnight. But the other side is the one that has, that has really basically declared war on the idea of America itself. They don't even want anything to do with the country. They have no respect, like I said, for the flag or the anthem or the idea that America is is basically a global policeman because because America does advance the right values in the world and it does have the, the right uh, proper level of freedom. But a lot of people now disagree with that. And so if they're going to 
have those types of major disagreements, either they should form their own country or keep those to themselves because what they're trying to do is basically collapse a country that has already been in existence for hundreds of years. They can't just expect everyone to be fine with that. He points out that the 1960s <clears throat> counterculture liberal protester who just wanted uh, marijuana and end to war in Vietnam has been replaced by a man who hunts down Steve Scalise and tries to kill him at baseball practice. The left is not playing games. They are getting bolder and they are getting more violent, he writes. They have no interest in rational compromises. Like all authoritarian ideologies, they want you to bow down before them or be destroyed for daring to resist. He said, if you believe in God and limited government, here are the uh, entities that now proclaim their hatred of you in full view of the public. The Democratic Party, media, Hollywood, public education system, now even corporate America. The GOP may have the House, Senate, and presidency, but we have completely lost the culture war. It's true. Culture is definitely against anything that would be considered conservative. And, and that's exactly why uh, the fact that the Republicans won the presidency was considered by many to be a miracle because they have really almost no voice uh, on the national scene uh, in any of those areas that you just mentioned. And yet uh, a lot of people still have stuck to a lot of the traditional original beliefs of the country. And uh, there's a credit to that because if you're being bombarded with propaganda constantly, you do have to do a little bit of work. You do have to be able to stand against some persecution to even continue uh, to try to keep America as the great nation that it's always been. Uh, there is what they call the silent majority, where there are a lot of people uh, who who do believe that America is a force for good, and they do believe that America has a special kind of freedom that no one else does. Uh, but again, they're ridiculed for that constantly, and that's why we're, we are to the point where if you just want America to be what it, it has always been throughout its history— you're just denounced as basically a murderer and a monster. That's how extreme things have gotten now. Yeah, he points out, well, he's got this map, <laughs> which is you know kind of silly because I don't think it's going to go that way. But anyway, he's got this little map where he drew a line and basically the, the south and south um, east is uh, the Federalist States of America and then the, the north and the coasts are uh, not. <laughs> They're different. <laughs> but anyway, he talks about some of the disagreements people have and uh, he says... You know, you have illegal immigrants pouring across the border. The right calls for increased border security. The left offers them sanctuary cities and protection from the federal enforcement. Every issue plays out this same way. The people on the right will only accept this kind of abuse for so long. <clears throat> Sooner or later, he says, the left-wing rage mob will start coming for the careers and lives of any normal American who sees things differently. So, you know, here's a, a fairly conservative writer <clears throat> writing this type of thing. And then you have the other side. We talked about it yesterday. Some of these talk shows saying that they'd like to watch the riots in the streets. I think it would be fun. So on both sides of it, you have people talking sort of, well, maybe a little casually, but but they're both talking about the same idea, like let's duke this out. <clears throat> and uh, what a disaster that would be for this nation. And, and of course, we'd be <clears throat> falling prey to any any enemy that wanted to come in from without at that point. And that's the part that both sides aren't really considering at all, and that is exactly what is prophesied to happen, is that when America does turn inward and basically collapses upon itself in race riots and violence and burning of the cities, that's when a foreign power will take advantage. 
and we would be extremely naive. We are extremely naive to think that that wouldn't happen. Why would any other nation out there that, again, has not nearly the blessings that America was given by God, why wouldn't they take advantage of the opportunity to seize our resources, seize our population as slaves if they could? I mean, it might sound extreme, but it's exactly what the Bible talks about, and you can see it leading directly to that. Yeah, there's a really good uh, book on Ezekiel, the end-time prophet, and it talks about some of those prophecies in Ezekiel that talk about these things and what's going to happen in this country, and that's at thetrumpet.com. And this author, uh, he finishes by saying, the most peaceful solution we Americans can hope for now is to go our separate ways. So let us come together one last time and agree on one thing, irreconcilable differences. And so... uh, but he he makes uh, the point that uh, you know maybe we we could split because we can't live under each other's value system. Um, but the thing is, you know, even his little map that he drew, does he think that say the radical left would be happy with that? Like they'd say, oh, okay, well we'll take this state, you take that state. They want it all. They want right. to take the whole thing. And then of course on the other side, there's you know pushback against that, and I think rightfully so in some ways. So, um, but that's that's the. Uh, the nation that we're living in today and uh it's getting more and more divided all of the time and uh like this writer says again it was at the federalist uh, jesse kelly it's time for the united states to divorce before things get dangerous so when you look at what you know is prophesied in ezekiel there in other places and again you can read that book at the trumpet.com um that's where it's heading to much more dangerous situations yeah, and the evidence is everywhere that America is going to split and fall apart. And like we talked about yesterday, there's that example of uh, California trying to split into three different states now. It used to be just two. Now it's three. Uh just shows you how bad things have gotten there. And like you said, with South Carolina wanting to secede if the federal government tries to take away guns, here's here's a writer proposing that the entire nation splits apart. And uh, Newt Gingrich has talked about the possibility of a civil war, as as have a lot of other commentators. Uh, and that should really give people a reason to wake up and try to consider why this is happening. Um, that, but the problem is, with millions of people in this country, they can't be reached right now by reason and logic. And obviously, you better not mention a word about the Bible to them, because they will <laughs> ridicule you out of existence, basically. Uh, but... That's what the country was founded on, and the the great question that I would love to ask any of them is, why do you think that all of a sudden every major issue is different? Why do you think that the correct stance on every major issue is literally the exact opposite of what it's been for 6,000 years of human history? Why do you think that you can topple the family? Why do you think you can change the government structure? Why do you think that it's okay to murder the unborn? Why? What changed? Why? Why did... Why did your viewpoints on all those things change when just a few years ago you believe literally the exact opposite thing as you do now? It doesn't it doesn't actually make any sense. And that just shows you the power that Satan can have over millions of people. Peer pressure. Yeah. People get uh, get indoctrinated with it and then just um, getting some pretty crazy ideas. And I was even thinking, too, you know, there is this uh, situation in Syria where chemical weapons were used recently and. So the United States has been critical, obviously, of the Assad regime, at least President Trump has, and and uh, so has Theresa May over in Britain. And so they, they got together and they agreed that, you know, um, it's not acceptable to use chemical weapons. But then what? 
the thing is, even if, say, our nations, either one of them, wanted to do something in a situation like Assyria, you can't get you can't get people to agree in this country to do anything. No one's going to agree, and we we just we would be so naive to think that Vladimir Putin's not fully aware of that, or any of these leaders fully aware that the United States cannot agree on a policy. And even if even if we went in and did something militarily, there'd be such an outcry in this land against it that um, it, it wouldn't have any uh, long-lasting value, and they can just wait it out, as they did in Iraq and other places. So, you know, as President Lincoln famously said, quoting Christ, you know, a house divided against itself, it cannot stand. <laughs> it's not like it couldn't stand before, but we figured it out. <laughs> it cannot stand, and that's where we are. Do you ever get the impression that both sides politically in this country hang back to give their view on an issue until they hear what the other side says and then basically they just go out and say the exact opposite thing like it does seem like a lot of the time it's so bad among the two sides that they refuse to have literally any view in common and so a lot of times they just form their own viewpoint just by uh refuting whatever the other side just said about the latest issue because otherwise you can't you can't you can't explain it any other way why there is literally nothing in common anymore unless unless you're totally just trying to spite who you believe to be your mortal enemy uh, you would have a few more things in common it wouldn't be so extreme i mean if you looked back in american history there were different political parties but they they agreed on the vast majority of things just because you could look at them and and discern what is common sense and now you could defy common sense in every way, and it's totally fine as long as you as you're disagreeing with the enemy party. Yeah, well, I think we're going to see more politicians just quit. Like you have Paul Ryan, who's apparently going to step down or, or not run again, I guess. And I could see more people, especially on the on the right, just saying, you know what, this isn't worth it. You I'm, can't work with them. Can't work with anybody, and and why go through just being harangued in the media every single day? Why bother? I'll just go do something else. The Bible talks about that too. Nobody wants to be the leader anymore. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, who, who in their right mind would want to get into politics right now? I, I can't think of anybody that <laughs> would want to, especially if they're coming from the right, because you know you're going to have no support. And and that is one area where President Trump has received a lot of criticism, criticism just the way that he has struck back really hard at people who have, uh, in a lot of cases, lied about him. But if we put ourselves in that same situation and and we constantly got trashed and lied about and slandered every single day, it's hard to imagine doing it any differently. I mean, a lot of politicians are really good at just not saying anything, but that would be hard. It would go against human nature to ever just keep your mouth shut when you when you know that if you turn on seven different major news networks or you read dozens of different newspapers, you're going to find hundreds of lies about you on a given day that that would be frustrating and that's what a lot of our politicians especially on the right have to deal with there is no integrity in the media now and they're in lockstep with the democratic party and and so why would you want to deal with something like that And, and especially when your character is just completely destroyed i mean it probably hurts a lot of your relationships with friends and family to go through problems like that to go through a constant all-out assault like that. Why let your whole life be ruined when 
even as a leader, you're not going to be able to make too much of a difference. There is so much gridlock now and so little actually gets accomplished that it's just not worth having the rest of your life destroyed. Very difficult situation for uh, those leaders. And uh, if you don't fight back on some level, then uh, you just get buried. Mm. So one other uh, story real quickly here. Somebody sent this uh, tip in. We were talking the other day about the, um, oh, that uh, illegal immigrant caravan, I guess, coming up through Mexico trying to hit the U.S. And I was just, I think I mentioned on the air, you know, just question, I'll go, where are they getting their funding from to do all this? Well, wouldn't you know it, uh, this is from Big League Politics. It says, George Soros-funded groups are supporting illegal immigrant caravans. And uh, they say the funding behind this group is unknown, but on their website, they solicit funds through PayPal. (laughs) (laughs) PayPal them. Despite their illegal activity directly breaking PayPal's acceptable use of policy, I was going to say, you can't ask for money for illegal things. It says, but while the funding of the group running the caravan is unknown, it is, it is known who is funding some of the organizations support, supporting them. Uh, Mother Jones is a left-wing news organization, and after news broke of the caravans, they labeled those opposed to the caravan as trolls. <laughs> so if you, if you oppose illegal immigration, you're a troll. Uh, <clears throat> I thought, well, trolls live under the bridge, right? And they want to build a bridge? Maybe that's why they said that. Yeah. <laughs> got, got to try to put the pieces together. In their article, they mince words uh, to make the attempted illegal immigrant criminals sound like nothing more than peaceful migrants. After following the money, it becomes clear where Mother Jones' agenda lies. A report from CNS News shows that Mother Jones has received immense funding from George Soros through the Foundation for National Progress, which has received over $1 million from George Soros. So the money kind of goes to these different organizations, and they support these groups and put their propaganda out there. So... Anyway, it's a whole money trail that you have to follow, and uh, <laughs> you can PayPal the illegal uh, caravan, <laughs> which is surprising. George Soros is everywhere. He's funding every institution around the world that would create unrest and pretty much bring the world to an end if he got the if he got the chance to do that. Uh, and he he has boasted openly about having the money to basically play with the world as if it's some kind of a board game, and he's just manipulating the different pieces on the board that's what he likes to do with his money he thinks it's a he thinks it's a fun game and yet at the end of it probably what he really wants is one world government uh, probably a communist world government that he's near the top of and i mean even 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 his family history is disturbing he's from a jewish family that aided the nazis so uh, he he definitely does not come from a strong family line and what he's doing now uh, it needs to be stopped by someone. I don't know how that's possible, but you hear him in the news all the time. He's behind every one of these movements that's about to destroy America and uh, destroy really the whole world. Yeah, I think he wrote a, even wrote a book or he wrote something that people have talked about before where he talks about how to overthrow a nation and pressure from without, pressure from within. Exactly. And he's got this whole strategy. I mean, people know about it, but yet he just... Keeps doing things, so uh, it is interesting when you see these different groups out there, whatever they might be, that are, you know, uh, they the media acts like it's spontaneous, you know, like the kids protesting the guns or this, like, oh, just spontaneous. Well, there's always funding. There's always somebody behind there pulling the strings. Uh, make sure you check out thetrumpet.com. Top story today is Iran threatens to restart nuclear program. And uh, Callum Wood writes that public threats by the Iranians reveal what the world already knew. Iran never gave up its nuclear ambitions. Uh, so it's not going to be hard for them to restart it. It's easy to restart something you never stopped, I guess. 
<laughs> and uh, also the uh, Trump Daily Radio show this weekend. A uh, couple of stories. One about increasing attacks on Jews and also uh, the ongoing attack on men. That's uh, Both of those are ramping up and uh, increasing. And so that's uh, this weekend here on uh, Trumpet Radio. Also, the Trumpet Hour Week in Review program will be coming up as well. So lots of exciting uh, programming here this weekend on KPCG. That's all the time we have uh, for today on Trumpet Radio Live. Thanks for uh, joining us. Make sure you listen for the Key of David program and that Trumpet Daily Radio show. They're coming up in just a bit. For Grant Turgeon and myself, Dwight Falk, have a great weekend, and we'll talk to you Monday. Listening to Trumpet Radio, 101.3 KPCG.